Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We're uh, concluding our series on resurrection. and We've taken the whole month. We started off because it was Easter Sunday talking about the historical uh, uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave and what that uh, meant uh, for us today and uh, and how it's the foundation of Christianity. And then the last two weeks, we've been talking about different aspects of living in resurrection power. But today we get to talk about this actually something I don't think I've ever done a sermon. I've taught classes on it. But about the, the future resurrection, the, the literal resurrection of all people at the end of time. And um, so we're just going to kind of skim through this. Obviously, 30 minutes is not a, a time to go into great depth theologically about to all of the details of eschatology. How many know what eschatology means? Three, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, it just means a study of end times. Well, we're just focusing on uh, uh, something that's very clear from Scripture, and that's that, that we will rise from the dead. And Job is an Old Testament book. In fact, many theologians believe it is the first uh, book that was recorded, both orally and possibly also in written form, of all the books of the Bible, that it possibly, they, they believe that it took place prior to the time of Abram. And so we don't really know at what time Job lived, but they think it's one of the oldest stories in Scripture. And it's filled with lots of truths, but there's this amazing statement in uh, chapter 19 of of Job, where Job makes this uh, confession of faith. He says, I know, and if you don't know the story of Job, he went through incredible suffering. He lost all things. His friends kind of turned against him. But in the midst of it, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. So it's it's a confession, it's a prophecy that the Redeemer will come and and, and be on earth. That's, of course, uh, prophesying of the coming of our Lord Jesus. And after my skin is destroyed, so he's going to experience death, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Wow. So he's like, after all this body is destroyed, I will see God in my flesh. This is huge truths. And it's just in one of the places throughout the Old Testament where we get a glimpse of this idea of a future resurrection. And he continues, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So there was a yearning for a new life after this life that he had confidence that his Redeemer would enable to do that. And so we have this prophecy in Old Scripture. There's other places I could have gone to, but again, this one is is one of the most clear and the most powerful. And we're going to jump forward into Jesus' teaching when he was uh, talking with his disciples. This is in Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, He sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately, uh, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And so Jesus had been talking about judgment to come and, and various issues that would, uh, and events that would happen. And, and his disciples, like, you know, give us the lowdown. 
<laughs> What's that? How's it going to actually happen? And so we have, um, you know, uh, the the opportunity to hear Jesus's private teaching to his disciples here uh, as to what will happen. So Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. I like how Jesus starts off his teaching on what's going to happen in the future with don't be fooled. All right. Don't be deceived because there's going to be a lot of people writing a lot of books about this. <laughs> Because those books sell. <laughs> and uh, I've seen them come and I've seen them go. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's like, don't buy the book. All right. Uh, believe this book. This is the only book you need. Uh, but it's, it's a, don't be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. <clears throat> and you will hear, you will hear uh, of wars and rumors of wars don't be troubled about that for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet that's one of the most misquoted scripture uh, scriptures there is because there's oh there's wars and rumors of wars that's a sign of the end actually jesus says that's not the sign of the end so you know what there's gonna be wars there's always wars unfortunately i wish we'd learn as a human race to stop killing other people it's kind of like that's a good idea isn't it (laughs) just stop killing everybody anyway jesus said there's gonna be wars there's gonna be wars wars don't worry about that for nations will rise against nation kingdom is against kingdoms oh there's gonna be famines that's a sign of the end no pestilences earthquakes in various places all these things are just the beginnings of sorrows and they will deliver you up The tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. There's a promise in scripture we cling to. <laughs> it just means you know what, serving Jesus and living the life of a Christian and, and 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 staying true to God's word brings opposition and tribulation, and that's part of what Jesus prophesied would continue throughout time. And he continues out and says, then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So these wars and famines and pestilences and earthquakes and and, uh, persecution, that's stuff that will continue. This is just the beginning of the sorrows of this life. Um, uh, uh, You know, they are not signs of the end. There's the signs of, uh, of what it means to live in a fallen world under the curse of sin. Are you hearing me? All right, because it's, uh, it's it's been that way since for for really from the beginning of time almost. After the fall, there's been wars. All those things continue, but the one event that must be fulfilled is the gospel being preached uh, to all the nations. And that term 
uh, it has a particular meaning, and, and theologians have studied this, like what is meant by that? And, and, it, and, and most theologians believe it means that, that every unique people group Every ethnicity, every language, and when you study these things, it's amazing to find out in countries like China and India, there's not one or two languages. There's actually hundreds and hundreds, in some places thousands of different dialects that people that live in this valley don't even understand the people that live in the valley uh, adjacent to them because for centuries that mountain in between totally separated their civilizations and so their dialects diverge and so uh, but each individual people group <clears throat> would not only have access to the gospel so it doesn't mean that we just have the ability to broadcast the gospel worldwide we have that both even before the internet they had a thing called radio <laughs> And then they had those things called televisions. Read a history, but Google it. (laughs) And now, of course, we carry it all in our pocket. Even in third world countries, they all have uh, uh, smartphones. (laughs) Um, But there's more than that. It's that there's an indigenous witness of the gospel. And what that means, because in order to hear the gospel, you have to actually hear it from people living it. Uh, and and see it in a community. The gospel is not just information. We don't get saved by uh, learning 10 facts that we agree to. We get saved by entering into community of faith with others. That's what the church is called. And so this idea that in every people group, there's an indigenous witness. There's people living the gospel witnessing to that ethnicity, that people group, and in that language. And so there's many, many people, missions, that's what missions is all about, is establishing outposts of the kingdom called the church in every area where there's a, a, the people group that need to see the gospel. And then, you know, uh, we see that is going to be fulfilled because John's vision of heaven, he saw it. Uh, his vision of the end time recorded in Revelation said he looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so we see that Jesus' heart and God God's goal is that people from every ethnicity join in the chorus of heaven singing praise for salvation that they've experienced because of the Lamb of God who is slain for them. And so this will be fulfilled. All right, and that's why we uh, are, as a church, are committed to world missions. In fact, I just got back from Mexico. Huh. Friday, actually, Saturday morning. <laughs> I didn't get home till 4 a.m because my flight was delayed <coughs> significantly <coughs> in that other country called Texas. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're committed to that because uh, I want to see this. We're going to experience this. Listen, if you're a believer, you're going to see what is recorded here, and you're going to go, wow, it's actually true that people from all different ethnicities. And and I love that they uh, maintain in heaven in the resurrection there's still ethnic d- uh, differences. 
There's not divisions. We're united in Christ, but we speak different languages. He could tell they're from different uh, ethnicities. And so the, uh, in Christ, the, the, uh, what so many people aspire to uh, of unity and equity for all people is fulfilled in the promise of the resurrection. Jesus uh, promised a physical resurrection and to his disciples and throughout his, his teachings in many places. We're just going to quote from a couple of them. Jesus said in John 6, The will of the Father who sent me is that all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus is the one that's going to uh, perform or actually do the act of resurrecting everyone that confesses uh, him as Lord, everyone that is his on the last day. And there was a general belief amongst the Jews in Jesus' day that there would be a physical resurrection of the dead. The one sect, the Sadducees that are referenced in Scripture, was a sect within, it was like a denomination. And they denied the fact of the physical resurrection. They taught that it's only through our descendants so if you leave a good, if you live a good life and you're faithful, God will bless your children, your grandchildren, and that's how the promises were filled. They didn't believe in a physical resurrection, and they were called Sadducees, and because they were, they didn't believe. That's why they were sad. You see, <laughs> still my joke. <laughs> Come on, everybody laugh. All right, now you don't have to laugh at a bad joke. <clears throat> John fourteen. Another place where Jesus uh, talks about the resurrection says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Like, well, where are you going? He was talking about his death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven and that he has been working 2,000 years to prepare a place. I like old Keith Green's song. You know, it took God seven days to make all of creation and Jesus has been working on heaven for 2,000 years. You know, and so it's going to be a wonderful place. But the the emphasis here is that Jesus promised that that he was going to go, but that he would return and that he would bring us with him, that those who are his, he would not lose any one of them. And that should help us not be troubled. So the promise of eternal life does not deny the reality of physical death. It just assures us that physical death is not the end of the story. Okay, Like Job we can we can say with confidence 
I know my Redeemer lives. And based on the faith and the, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he conquered death, sin, and the grave, I know that he lives. And he will stand on the earth. And so we're looking forward to the return of Jesus when he will stand again on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, in my flesh... I shall see God. So that's a confident expectation that we will be in a physical body when we see our Redeemer. And Paul explains this in the, in the, in the, in the epistles. It kind of uh, unpacks this idea a little bit for us. It says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies. How many have weak mortal bodies? Good. You still got one? That's good. All right. And change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So this truth actually should change us now because we're citizens of heaven. We're just temporary aliens here. It's a good song called Temporary Aliens. (laughs) It's an old song. Larry Norman. Ken Ken Norberg, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of the Ken Norberg one. We're temporary aliens, all right? I was in Mexico for a week, but my citizenship was United States of America. And it was good to get back home, you know. I know how things work here. I love visiting, but that's not where I live. I'm from a different place. In the same way, we're visiting here. Amen. We have, a, you know, a short-term visa. We can only stay so long <laughs> because of our citizenship is in heaven where Jesus is, where Jesus is. And we live in what's called the now and not yet. We're awaiting the fullness of the promise of redemption. In other words, there are benefits now. We experience, like we talked about the last two weeks, aspects of resurrection power that we can access now. Uh, forgiveness of sin, uh, being cleansed, power to not commit sin. We believe in physical healings. But ultimately, <clears throat> the fullness of that, we need to wait until the resurrection. So admitting weakness, that we have weak mortal bodies, isn't a lack of faith. It's actually biblical. Right? There's nothing wrong saying, I'm sick. This body is broken. That's not a confession that of, of negative lack of faith. This is a, a confession of truth. You know, people that were sick and came to Jesus to be healed admitted they were sick. That's why they came to Jesus and said, "Heal me." Amen. All right. So don't be fooled by people who say, well, "Don't admit sickness." That's a lack of faith. No, that's prerequisite to to, to getting healing. Yeah. I have need. So you go to the one that can meet the need and confess your need and you believe that he can heal it. All right. And, and that's true in the things like, oh, I got a bad you know, leg or I need to get healed from this sickness. But it's also true about our mortality. All right. Our weak mortal bodies means that we currently live in weakness in bodies that are destined to die. We're all going to die. Happy Sunday. 
Paul said in Philippians, he's looking forward to it. He said, I'd rather die. I'd be free from this. He was sitting in jail waiting a death sentence anyway. He said, I'd be done with it. You know, it's better to be with the Lord. But for your sake, for the sake of serving the others, he, he chose to remain. And so we, we live this life out of service, but we realize, you know what? There's a, there's a time stamp and it's coming. All right, but that's not the end of the story. We have confidence in the power of God that transforms us. I love it. It says, with the same power with which he brings everything under his control. God's sovereignty will not let us stay dead or corrupted. Sickness and death are a consequence of sin. Our bodies are subject to sickness, and I believe injury also in our restored bodies. Jesus, when he was resurrected, he could walk through walls. He was impervious to injury. Okay, so even falling down and breaking your arm, that's part of the curse, part of the fall. When in our resurrected bodies, we will not have that fear. Um, those things happen because of our will. When we choose to do things that are contrary to God's will, and as a general result of living in a in a world in in a body that's that's uh, been influenced by sin for countless centuries, and in a world that's fallen and broken, not the will of God. Does that make sense? It's not God's will that you're sick. Okay, it's because of sin and bad choices and and the consequence of living in a fallen world that we're sick. It's God's heal uh, or uh, will that you be healed, <clears throat> and God will rescue us from all of those things and even from death. And so this is why theologically, in our understanding, that we can actually experience sickness and even die, even though that's not God's ultimate will for us. Does that make sense? Because God's ultimate will is that you will live resurrected in a fully healthy body forever. But we're just not there yet. We're still in the now and not yet. We're still in the beginnings of sorrows. All right? And the promise, though, is we will have a new body. Peter explains this, says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Do you know why he wrote that? It seemed like it's taken forever. This is one of the later uh, epistles. And uh, so many people had died. They were Christians. I mean, listen, the early church thought Jesus was coming back like any minute. And then, you know, you think Jesus is going to come back any minute. And that's what everybody's talking about. He's going to come back and somebody dies. Well, wait, then, then, then somebody else dies and someone that gets martyred. And all of a sudden, there's lots of people dying. So this had been decades uh, of just regular life. And he's like, it's not that God is slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why does God allow evil in the world? Listen, he could bring it to an end, and he will bring it to an end. But he's holding himself back because once that end comes, there's no more hope for those who have yet to receive Christ. 
they haven't received him. If there's a people group somewhere that doesn't have that witness that no one's gotten saved, he doesn't want heaven empty of that ethnicity, of that language of praise coming from that people. Are you listening to me? For the people that don't accept him as Lord and Savior, that are, that are destined for an eternity apart from him. He's like, I'm going to allow the suffering and the sorrows to continue. It hurts him um, uh, infinitely more than it hurts you or even the victims of the tragedy. It, he feels that pain, but he's willing to endure it because he desires that no one would perish. And so every day is another opportunity for someone to get saved. How do they get saved? Huh? Us! It's an opportunity for us as the church to be a witness. To be the people in your people group that says there is a hope, there is a redeemer, and I'm basing my whole life on that hope of resurrection, and you can too. That there's, there's more to the story. Life doesn't end with physical death. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord, you can live eternally in paradise with him. All right, and so the, Peter is saying, listen, it's God's patience that it allows it to continue. But the day will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? It's just like, whoa, turn the table there. I said, think about this. And he answers this question, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Our understanding of the end time, and this is where um, pretty much all books on eschatology completely miss it. Because all of our teaching and understanding what is to come should challenge us and equip us to live holy and godly lives in the present. If you're not living it now, what are you talking about some future thing? You're not going to be part of it. If you're not living in resurrection life now, you haven't connected with the, the Redeemer so that you can stand in the midst of suffering like Job and say confidently, I don't care what happens to me. I know that Jesus, my Redeemer, lives, and I'm going to live with him, and I'm going to see it. All right. Second Corinthians also explains this. This is a powerful uh, verse concerning the uh, resurrection. We're going to wrap up with this. It says, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, and that's just an analogy, a metaphor for what this life is in this body. It actually explains it. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. I can attest to that. I'm weary today. I, I worked, uh, you know, when I go to Mexico, it's busy days, 10, 12, 14 hour days, ministry, you know, in a third world country and, uh, <clears throat> and all that. But that's, that's not lack of faith. That's just reality. 
So growing weary in our present body and actually longing to put off, uh, we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Praise God. For we will put on heavenly bodies. And that heavenly bodies talking about the resurrected body that you'll be given when Jesus returns and calls us back to life. We will not be spirits without bodies. Amen. Amen. All right. Many people don't understand this. Think you die, you go to heaven, you spend eternity floating around as a disembodied spirit. No, that's actually not a biblical teaching at all. In fact, the scripture is very clear. We will, uh, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh when you get out of bed. <clears throat> but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that close us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. In other words, we were created for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So that's like the, the down payment to give us hope and an assurance that there's life beyond this, this physical life. So, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we would be at home with the Lord. That's the same sentiment that he, he uh, uh, said in, in the book of Philippians, that he'd, he'd prefer her to be dead because then he'd be with the Lord. And so there's a state of in-between. So whether we are here in this body or away from the body, our goal is to please him. In other words, how we live right now. For we all must stand before Christ to be judged, and we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So this weakness and mortality of our present bodies is comparing the future body, our heavenly bodies, our resurrection body, that's going to be uh, strong and not susceptible to sin or sickness or all of that. And this idea that we're not going to be spirits without bodies, we're going to be clothed in, in the resurrected body and live eternally in that state with Christ. But between our physical death and the resurrection, there is this unknown state of being absent from the body, but present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. And so the Bible doesn't really clarify this much. All right. In another place, it says uh, uh, that we're, we sleep. I'm going to get to that scripture in just a second. <clears throat> but it does say <clears throat> that when you die, you're present with you're away from the body, but you're present with the Lord, waiting for the resurrection when we're given a new body. And in that new body, we will all stand before Christ to be judged, each receiving whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So this coming judgment, and there's, it talks about this in Revelation, don't have time to unpack it all, but even as Christians, we will appear before Christ in a resurrected body to give an account. And that's not a judgment unto uh, punishment, or because we've already, if you've accepted Christ, you, you are accepted in the beloved, but yet we will give account, and I believe that um, uh, it somehow in Jesus' wisdom, 
he's going to uh, 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 bring justice for every injustice, whether we're the victim or the perpetrator. There's not going to be anything unspoken so that we can spend eternity in heaven having everything clear and out in the open. Does that make sense? All right, and so uh, how that actually looks, what that would look like, no one knows. Uh, that Jesus is going to, we're going to each, uh, all the billions and billions and billions of people that have ever lived and are alive today will stand before Jesus. Yeah. But we'll stand before him and receive what uh, we deserve. It says in Thessalonians, we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. That's that in-between state. Here in many places, it's called being asleep. Those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. Um, so that you do not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring those with him, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is one of the most clear places where it describes what will happen. It says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. So here and elsewhere, it's called being asleep. This passage does not teach a secret rapture, as some misunderstand. All right. It says he's going to come with a shout. All right. The heavens will reverberate with the announcement of Christ's return, an angelic trumpet call. And both the dead and those still alive will be caught up together, always to be with the Lord. Well, what does that mean? As the imagery would have been very clear to the people who heard it, because in ancient times, when the ruler of a land would approach a city, all the citizens would go out to, and meet uh, him as and in the procession as it approached the city, and would come with the reigning king back in and a royal procession into the city. And so, this is the idea that Christians, dead and alive, will be transformed in the resurrection and then be with Jesus forever, wherever he is. And, the, and then we see the risen Christ uh, <clears throat> restoring the earth to establish his kingdom. Uh, and it says that in, in, in the book of Revelation, that uh, John, the apostle at the end, sees the new Jerusalem coming down. And it's a picture of the bride. And Jesus comes, returns to earth, and establishes his kingdom that will last forever. The truth is, in our resurrected body, with Jesus as king, having judged and renewed the earth, behold, he makes all things new, that this earth and the whole of this creation is going to be renewed, made new. Everything that was broken and, 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 and twisted and cursed by the sin and the behavior of fallen mankind throughout all time, Jesus is going to miraculously restore. And part of that is going to be that we're going to live with him in this new earth forever. I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of places I haven't been able to go. 
But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave that for the resurrection. Because I'm tired. <laughs> and, and in the resurrection, I'm not going to have to worry about all those bugs that bite you in the jungles. <laughs> Montezuma's revenge? No! I can drink the water. Living water! Are you hearing me? Okay. So there's a lot of ideas about what the end times, but the truth is Jesus is going to rule and reign on earth, and we are going to be with him forever in eternal bodies, and that, you know what, there's, there's room for, the, just think, if the whole earth was filled with life, and that there weren't barren places, but in every place there was fruitfulness and the evidence of God's sovereignty, it's going to be great. And in order for you to be with Christ, you need to accept him as Lord and Savior. That means right now, you choose in your heart that you yield to him, that you confess your sin and accept Jesus as who he claimed to be, God the Son, coming in a physical body to speak the truth and to die a physical death, to take the penalty and the pain of sin upon him. He who had no sin became sin for us so that we who were fallen in sin could experience and receive the righteousness of him. He took our sin so we could take his righteousness so that we could have right standing with God. How? Simply by accepting Jesus as Lord, bowing your will to him and living for him each and every day. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you have committed your life to a perfect Savior and that you're willing to, to sur- surrender yourself and walk with him. And one day there's going to be a step when you step into eternity and he gives you that resurrected body and everything in the whole of the planet and the universe is right again. So I encourage you to accept Jesus Christ now so that in the resurrection you can experience the fullness of all that he's promised.